Dan, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being here. We're glad we got to tee this off and our schedules aligned for a few days. Glad we ran into each other. Yeah. <laughs> Tell that story. Well, yeah. So we were just jogging uh, d- along the beautiful beaches of Sydney and it was me and Tom running in the evening and Tommy happened to spot you out running the other way with your brother and yeah. uh, said hello and there you go. It was, yeah. yeah. That was funny because I, I said to them, I was like, I said to my brother on the way, um, I wonder if I run into somebody. Shit. And I was like, yeah, I have to run into somebody. And then I ran into somebody. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> now you're here. It's a small place. I was like, I, looked, I was like, oh, it's me. Oh, it's Tommy. <laughs> there you go. For our listeners, um, Dan has been building uh, an extremely respectable brand out of LA since 2011. Sydney, born and raised. Yep. And jumped over to the States in 2011, which is a massive jump. He's, he's worked with some of the biggest uh, names in the business, Adidas, James Harden, Jimmy Butler, um, Stardard, to name a few. So, yeah, his reputation speaks for itself. And we're, we're really excited to have you on today, Dan, uh, to shed some light on that journey of yours and I guess uh, that the real uh, portrayal of it from, you know, being that young guys just moved from rugby and jumping overseas to try and start a brand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's been a journey. Definitely learned a lot of things. Yeah. Come a long way. And I kind of was thinking about it on the way here. It's kind of, I, even though we've done so much stuff, um, it doesn't feel like we've done anything. And I like to, not that I don't want to validate, you know, what we've done, but I kind of, I like to kind of stay hungry, you know, kind of, um, in a sense that, we do have a long way to go to get where we want to go, but yeah, can appreciate where we've come from. Man, I'd love to start right there because it's, it's so unusual that you started in LA, you know. Yeah. Every brand we have on, you know, Australian grown, Australian people tend to stay in this country. Tell us tell us a bit about that and what that thought process was. Um, like I was talking about earlier on another podcast I did, I was thinking um, since a young age, I always had an eye at America and wanted to be over there. It seemed like where everything was happening. Yeah. Um, then when you play rugby league, there's not really an opportunity to go play there. Like you play basketball, so you know, that's a place you can go and have a career if you if you want if you want to have a career there. And for rugby league there's not that pathway and so it was kind of a put on the back shelf for um until I decided I wanted to do fashion and then I was excited about that opportunity to potentially you know set up my future in the in the states and i just made it made it happen yeah wow so what age did you fly over there um the first time i went it was like 24 25 yeah, yeah. and then just kind of went back and forth um and then i met my wife jenny runs um the business with me yeah so and then yeah since then we just kind of run the business together and um for 12 years had kids yeah. Wow. Did you the first time you went over there was that a trip or did you go over there knowing that you were going to stay there? It was a trip, you know. Um I had different ideas of what I was going to do. Um I originally wanted to settle in New York and then I was thinking about going furthering my education at um FIT, which is um Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. Um and then I met with some people there and then I just came back to Australia and just it's like, I don't need to go to school. I just need to like, you know, dig in and learn by doing. And that's kind of, um, 
that's kind of what I've done. You know, just slowly like gotten better and evolved my product, evolved my skill set, and um, yeah, just over time. And that's kind of what you know what you get in the clothes is is um, that twelve years of that experience and you know knowledge. Mm. Uh, what's your what's your favorite part of of the process? I like making new product and um, yeah, that's all just, that's my favorite part is, yeah. And I, I do like seeing, um, you know, people enjoy the product and, you know, look good in it and feel good in it and um, and feel more confident in it. And, sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely always thinking of new stuff and, you know, sampling and yeah, so I, I definitely enjoy the sample process. 12 years is a really long time. Do, yeah. do you look back? at things you made in those early years like what are your thoughts when you look back at those designs um i mean some stuff i think is i think i appreciate all of it but some stuff i look back and be like yeah that was crap and this was good this is crap and then but but different times you appreciate it like a lot of customers of mine from the early days complain that we can't get the um the the older stuff you know so I'm just like and for me I'd already moved on but then lately I've been more thinking about like I do actually appreciate that older stuff so let me look in let me dive into that archive and bring some of it back and and kind of provide an opportunity for the customers to get a hold of that stuff we did in the early days and so that's kind of what we've been doing like a little bit of like you know on the side nice yeah so um but yeah, I kind of appreciated all where it started and, you know, the evolution and, yeah. What did it look like when it started in LA? I mean, obviously wanting to start a brand in LA is a lot different to actually starting one. Did you go over there with much money, expertise? What what, what did it look like? I didn't have much money at all. I just had $1,000 and a couple of suitcases and just a lot of um, determination to make it, ap- make it go right, make it happen um, because... I didn't really have a choice. I mean, I could always fail and come back to Australia and, you know, but um, it's just never really, I I didn't really see it as an option. So it was like, there wasn't, there wasn't really a plan B. I know that's a cliche thing. It's like, but it was literally like that. It was like, well, I gotta, I gotta make this happen. I gotta stay, like, I gotta work out a visa. I gotta work out how to pay rent. I gotta work out how to eat, you know. Um, And then on top of that, work out, how to make clothes, like find new people to make them. And, um, I mean, that's, you look back then, you'd be like, you'd wish where you are now, but then you, you know, you kind of like, um, but then now you look back and you're like, oh, wow, that was, you know, that was kind of, you were really out on the edge living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though it's uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 Tell, tell us about that version of you that's door knocking. Like how relentless are you? Like what, what are you saying to these people to sign, you know, sell Daniel Patrick to um, I don't know. I just they just they seem to like it. So I, I just, <laughs> uh, and then yeah, I got some orders for it, and then um, had a hard time working out the finances to deliver it. So then one, I remember one store um, that I sold in that basically I put it in. Um, I, I got their order, and then you know it was really late on delivering because they didn't have any money to to produce. Finally got it produced, delivered it to the store, and the lady was like, I, like, he was such a nice guy that I just, like, even though it was so late, I just took it. And then, 
we were just moving units and units like at that at that store and um she would tell me the story she's like how she was thinking when i brought it in so late she was like oh but you were so nice so i just you know i just did it and then it sold really well and then every week we'd get a check and you know it was yeah um so that, that was kind of when we started to have a business you know and sure this is all before social media or this is around the time social media started because instagram started like 2012 and um so that was like a helpful tool to like especially back then like now it's like you got to pay to play yeah even, even with your own followers they they kind of hold you back and so um but yeah now it's you know back then it was like you saw everything you know you posted it all your followers saw it chronologically yeah uh, so good old days what did it look like from a manufacturing perspective back then you, did you make samples all your stuff's in la yeah being made in la at the time I started off with a full package um, company in LA um, that did, you know, everything. Yep. Um, they were obviously a little bit more expensive, um, so I didn't have the money. So I basically just, well, instead of them doing everything, I'll do everything. So I'll be, I found my own cutter, I found sewer, I found die house, fabric place, and I did it all myself and and ran it all around and um, still do it like. I still I don't do it as um as much as back then but I have it cuz I have it, I guess I have it more streamlined set up now but I still am hands on with all those all those parts mm. so like we garment dye everything so I'm, sometimes I I still divide the stuff to go to dye for all the different colors and all that kind of stuff and so pretty hands on yeah so the whole supply chain still in LA What's that? The whole supply chain still in LA? Yeah, yeah. We make some stuff overseas, but it's yep. just like shoes and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, yeah. How big is the team at the moment? Uh, it's pretty pretty tight. Like, actually, don't um, we we outsource a lot of stuff. Um, so, I mean, we have what do we got? I mean, we honestly, have only like five or six employees. Okay. Yeah. So we just we keep it kind of lean and mean, yeah. um, and. Yeah, I guess a lot of people think that from the outside looking in, you know, we've definitely got a bigger um, like footprint than, yeah. you know, but I think we all kind of pull the way to like 10 people, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, so it's what's needed. Yeah. Obviously, America is the mecca of, of streetwear and um, it's very big in their sporting culture. It's extremely saturated. What was for you coming in your point of difference, I guess maybe other than being Australian, what was your point of difference that you saw in the industry? Uh, from my from my own product? from your for Daniel Patrick. Um, I mean, I felt like I had a point of view, um, and it was still developing. That point of view uh, in the beginning, you know, you kind of you have what you like, and you take from what you like, and then you you kind of um, start with that, and then over time, you you, you develop your own voice within that. Um, you know, you still have your own voice in the beginning, but um, when I started, it was, I guess, an indication of the time. It was kind of dark and drapey, um, a little bit more uh, Rick Owens type back then. Um, and then just over time, it evolved into a little bit more um, sport style. And um, yeah, it just, I feel like where we're at now, I mean, it's still, it's always evolving because, you know, I'm always changing my mind and stuff too. So, stuff I did in 2018, I'd be like, you know, I'm not really going to do that right now, but more refined version of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Designing for you, like what you like, is that sort of your main inspiration or? Yeah. I mean, I still make stuff I want to wear. Yeah. You know, so 
yeah, that's kind of like kind of. I, I mean, I still think of what the like the customer is going to want too, and take that feedback as well. But uh, ultimately, I have the I have the final say on what we make. But like I said, if customers want a Daniel Patrick T-shirt from 2012, that's a different cut and fit. You know, um, that's that's what they want. You know, so I'm. It's still Daniel Patrick. It's yeah, it may not be the same stuff we're doing now, but it has the DNA of what we're doing now is still in that T-shirt. And vice versa. Uh. Talk us through the growth. You, you started it in 2011. When was the first, or maybe the first moment where you're like, "Wow, this can actually, you know, scale and be a mainstay streetwear brand." You know, not only in, in LA, in the world. Uh, I mean, I felt like. Before we did anything, that was could be just because I that's where I envisioned it going. But there's I guess different milestones along the way. Like um, I just remember making some sales and in LA and finally having money to put back in and buy a product. And you know um, felt like we had a business then. So then things felt a little bit okay. You know we got something here and yeah, just over time, um, more and more sales, more and more athletes wearing it celebrities wearing it and stuff like that and start to you know we had a store in new york we had several different stores in la um just yeah just keep building it's not really yeah was there a piece or two that you know might have um taken the brand to the next level or there's been um i mean the the gym shorts we did a few years back which we still sell another item that's kind of like a, a classic piece was they blew up in China, and they still make fakes of those in China. Um, and Justin Bieber wore those, and you know got paparazzi wearing those, and that kind of propelled us in China, um, in a sense that like those shorts are still a big hit for our Chinese customers, even you know even our American customers too. But even over there, they're making the fake. So I got to work out how to tackle that market where I'm getting paid for rather than the fakes. Right, right. Uh, That's when they say you've really made it, though, with it, making the fakes, right? <laughs> yeah, I remember one time I was, um, there's a guy who makes my hats in LA, and he said to, we went over to China, and they had uh, fake Daniel Patrick, and I was like, we didn't, I didn't, we didn't realize that you were that famous, and I was like, neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then um, I had another friend who's, um, he's like, oh, my friend uh, bought some fake Daniel Patrick, you know, oh, he's, one, he's like, I just wanted to see what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I know about that. As I want to see what it's like too. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as good. You know, the fonts are off and all this and that. For sure. Yeah. Probably not too bad. <laughs> How did you go about getting it into some of those big athletes' hands? Obviously, in the America fashion is huge. They have the freedom to kind of wear what they want to games and yeah. express themselves differently to how Australians can express themselves in sport. What was your experience with that whole industry? Um, organic, I guess. It's just social media, um, having stores, being in the right stores. So like, you know, a lot of these guys, not everyone has, um, but they have stylists, you know. I know Tyler Hero found our stuff in Saks Fifth Avenue, um, I think in Miami. Um, there's different other stylists have found our stuff in Saks in another city or um, Traffic in the Beverly Center or H. Lorenzo or... Um, all these different places or they find it on social media or they come they they stumble across our store and um so it's just you just got to be present in the market you know and that's 
um, if you're here, it's hard to be, you know, present over there and build that brand. So that's why I really put myself over there and, and, you know, I'm going to build it here. And then, cause I think from there, it opens up the rest of the world. Mm. Yeah. So. I've seen you've been doing uh, a lot of collaborations with Jimmy Butler's brand. Yeah. What impact have you had on that brand? What impact have I had on his brand? Mm. I mean, I don't know if I've had an impact on it because it's Jimmy Butler. <laughs> um, I think whatever he does is, um, you know, just whatever he touches off the court, just based on what he's doing on the court, is just it's going to do well. Um, and not not because of me, you know. I'm just I'm grateful that he gives me the opportunity to kind of work with him on that. And yeah, so, but for me, I think that was. Um, that was a fun collaboration because I'm a fan of him and I'm a fan of coffee. So it's like a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that, that stuff came out good. That stuff sold really well. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a good collaboration. He's obviously setting the world on fire right now. What, what's he like as a person? Oh, he's a gentleman. Yeah. I think um, very humble guy, but confident, you know, yeah. and I think um, he's got the, the perfect balance of uh, humility and ego in that sense that, he knows he's the guy, but he's also um, he also kind of sheds a light on his teammates as well because they're an important part of the journey and he understands that. Um, but just the experiences I've had with him, um, he's always just been so welcoming, um, even to my kids. We went to a game in Miami. He, uh, we didn't have tickets. Um, this was during COVID and he... Um, I said, I'm coming to the game. We went to Lids uh, and I bought my son a Jimmy Butler jersey. I sent him, a, I texted him a picture. He calls me up. He said, hey, you got tickets to the game. And I was, I didn't have tickets because um, you had to get a test, like a COVID test. To, and I was, I'm not going to buy tickets if we're, if we're test positive, you know. So um, tested negative. And then he said, oh, I got tickets for you. Just, you know, um, they're, they're courtside, but they're, they're behind the scorer's table. And I was like, Dude, I'm happy with the seat anyway. <laughs> um, but it was perfect because my daughter, she's not really into basketball, so she was just watching my phone, like leaning on the scorer's table. And you know, um, but it's pretty much like, yeah, I think that was better for us, you know, to be on that. And after the game, took us back and gave my son a signed jersey, gave my daughter a signed pair of shoes, and yeah, and even thanked me for the opportunity to spend time with my kids. And I'm like, you know, it's like, dude, you know, I. You don't have to thank me. I were thank you. You know, how does a collaboration like that come about? I just texted him. I was like, "Hey, you want to um, do a collab?" You know, uh, and I think that was it was perfect because um, he'd spoken about doing a collab before, but we weren't able to. Um, and then, you know, now he's got big face, and it just gives us an opportunity um, to give that a platform and and work together. You know, uh, Back to your store. So, are you working in the store on Melrose, or what's that like? Um, yeah, I work in the store from time to time. Yeah, um, I think it's it's uh, it's good to be on deck and meet customers and meet people because there's a lot of people that come in that if I'm not there, I wouldn't have known or, or met these people that and that come in and just. I think it's funny because I see I meet a lot of people that come in that are very successful people too, and it's just yeah. like, oh wow here you know, coming into the store and if I wasn't there, I wouldn't have known that. And and you get a lot of, um, it gives me a lot of confidence in my product too because I see what people like and I see, then I kind of, it helps me in the design process and I'm like, 
people are really liking this and you know you get the feedback and uh, so it's pretty invaluable and I I wish I did it sooner and I'm I'm pretty decent at sales not only because I'm the like the the brand like the the designer but I used to do that before I had my I used to work retail here in Sydney um, and I used to do pretty well like you know selling clothes and um, just taking that and applying it to my own brand was kind of and like never really thought about doing it but <laughs> my wife kind of w- pushed me along to that yeah so that's so, yeah so, you have another store in downtown LA is it no we used to have a store in downtown okay. but we have our uh, manufacturing down there okay yeah so we have a store in Melrose right now um we're moving into the Beverly Center I'm not sure if you're familiar with yeah vaguely yeah yeah, so, yeah. How would you say like the uh, the clientele and just the general atmosphere differs from LA to Sydney? Um, I don't know. I think the I've really had a store here in sense to know, but I know there's a lot of successful people here. But like I said, there's a lot of people that come in there that are just unassuming people that are wow, this person's a music producer or this person's like um, owns well, I mean. Brent Street Studios, the guy who owns that comes in. Like we get a lot of Australians that come in there and it's like I feel like it's one of their 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 stops on the trip, you know? And that's cool. And it's funny because some come in there they don't even know that I'm Australian or <laughs> yeah, some do, some don't. Yeah. Um, but no, it's cool. I think I think it's very cool to have a store because you get that touch point for the brand too, and those customers can, you know, come and see and like touch and feel it try it on get the fit and then they go back and order online or there so do you have aspirations to set up a store here in Sydney in the hometown yeah one day I think um I think I gotta build the the presence of the brand a little more before that happens yeah but down the line for sure I think for the time being I think a store in Miami would make a lot of sense I think a store in New York would make a lot of sense and um I'm we're currently doing a store in in the Beverly Center in LA so that's kind of where our focus is right now but even Norwich County like would be I don't know if you're familiar with mm-hmm. down there yep. so um South Coast Plaza so but there's a lot of places in the states yeah uh, it's a big market what would your customer base be split from say here to America oh we're like what percentage is in Australia compared to the US 97 percent would be well 90 percent would be um usa and yeah. we only like it's three percent of our business would be coming from here so yeah. like i said we got to build a lift <laughs> yeah we got to build more of a presence but we do get a lot of australian customers and orders and whatnot so um i think there's a lot of room to grow here for us as a brand i think it's yeah. a gr- it's also on the flip side of that it's a great message for younger brands to think about when they are starting or deciding where they're going to, I guess, start their brand and location-wise because oftentimes just the, the decision to maybe start it, um, it's a drastic example in LA as opposed to Sydney, that's, you know, that's a hundred times bigger market in LA as opposed to starting it in Sydney. And I think that's probably something that people might not think about too much when they're starting. Oh, yeah. I'm my hometown, you know, whether you're in Adelaide or wherever it is. But, you know, thinking about making a big drastic jump like you did, I think that goes a long way and definitely in the long run if you can make it work. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like like you touched on is, I mean, what's the population of Australia is 25 million. I think um, California alone has over 40 million people. 
um, the greater Los Angeles area, I feel like there's at least, uh, what I don't even have the right number on it, but I feel like it's 17 million or something. Like, you know, it's like a, just like in that, not necessarily in the city, but like you have a lot of people there and it's just, a, it's a lot more happening. Um, and then you also have the whole entertainment industry, you have all the athletes, you have all that. I just felt like, um, like I said, New York was going to be where I wanted to start it, but then I just felt like LA was a better place and LA has become more of a, like a fashion, um, capital in a sense, not necessarily with our own <clears throat> fashion week, but you got designers, um, like St. Laurent and Gucci and all that doing runway shows there because of the celebrity presence and all that. And mm. there's a lot of great streetwear brands that are, that are based and coming out of there too. So, um, I think it was the perfect, um, like choice for, for me as a brand and, um, yeah. And also just that proximity to Australia. And I think the weather and the lifestyle is, um, is a little bit better for me too. Like in terms of a New York winter and stuff like that is not really my cup of tea, but yeah. Yeah. We've seen like the power of league fits. Um, yeah. social media over the years. Like, I think mean, there's even that award these days. I'm not sure. What's it called again? Like the, yeah, like, 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 yeah, about they have first teams, first teams, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, it's getting serious, but <laughs> back here in Australia, we're definitely, definitely a few years behind. Well, the thing that's hard about Australia is to do that is, um, I think in America, you kind of, uh, you're encouraged to be an individual and yourself. And in Australia, you're, you're encouraged to be part of the team. And I think both things are very healthy. Um, but there's obviously an imbalance of self-importance and there's an imbalance of being, you know, unimportant, but the group be more, you know? So it's kind of like you have to kind of balance the two. And um, I think, yeah, like I think there could be more individualism in like in the terms of the players' brands in Australia. And I'd like to see that. It's like a league fits, like you said. Um, but it's how do you do that in a sense because – the players go into the game, even in the English Premier League, they all, you wear team, you wear all the team gear to the games and stuff like that. And, and that's all the sponsors want that and all that kind of stuff. But sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. In the NBA, the NFL, they can wear what they want. And that's kind of like, I don't know. My favorite day of school was Mufti day, but now my kids go to school every day wearing whatever they want. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, and I do you remember Mufti Day. <laughs> Is that like casual clothes, casual clothes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I stole Mufti Day when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Maybe Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe different. Yeah. <laughs> Mufti said. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, yeah. Sounds dope, though. <laughs> casual clothes sounds like some prison. <laughs> Muftis. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's fine. Sounds like a bunch of Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but yeah, so it's, it's kind of like, yeah, in school you wear whatever you want. I guess it's just the culture. Yeah. yeah. So how do you... How do you kind of break down a culture because it's ingrained in it, in a sense? So, yeah, but there's got to be some way to to do it. I know they, I know, I know people have tried. Yeah, yeah. Have you gone about keeping that balance, like with the ego and the team component? Um, I don't really. I don't know. I just, I don't really kind of look at myself as having achieved what I what I have aimed to achieve yet. Um, there's always more. There's always more to go, and I think if you read comments as well on on social media too, that'll knock you down a peg. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but I think um, I think if you're aware that 
you know, what you do well and you're aware that what you need to work on, um, you kind of just, you stay in a good, in a good space to, to kind of produce and get better. And, um, yeah, I think, I think, um, that humility keeps you like grounded and, um, it makes you able to observe where you need to improve. Whereas if you, if you're not so humble, you may not, you may not be able to observe where you need to improve and you won't get any better. And you have to kind of stay on your game in anything. Like if you're an athlete, you can't rest on your laurels, but same with any, any business that you're in because someone's just going to go past you and there's always the next person and you really have to keep creating and, um, you know, producing and reinventing. Yeah. What are some of the biggest learnings you've had throughout your career? Um, biggest learning. Well, I thought it was going to be a lot easier to start a clothing line and, um, you know, everyone was just going to wear it and it's going to be, you know, like, not that we haven't done well, but it's definitely a lot of work and it's not always glamorous, but, um, I've, I've learned that no matter what obstacle comes, we just, you know, we just, we've always bettered it and we're still standing and to be in business for, um, 12 years says a lot. So Personal fit, 12 years. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a long time, but it doesn't feel like it's taken that long. So, um, yeah, we just kind of keep going really. And yeah. What about something glamorous, like a collaboration with Adidas and James Harden? On the surface, it looks amazing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you know under the covers, it's a little bit different. What, what does something like that look like? Um, I think you know, working on something big like that, you're working in um, the the framework of um, Adidas, and that's a they have a lot of rules and regulations and that kind of stuff. And uh, you have obviously a big platform and a big budget to work with with them in the sense of what they can do and whatnot. But you're limited in the sense that they have a lot of regulations. Now, if you have your own business, you can do whatever you want, but you're limited in budget, you know, so and resources. So it's kind of like a give and take, you know. So um, the way I kind of approached it was, you know, they have these guidelines. Okay, I'm going to stretch them as far as I can on it and, and just, you know, go for what I want and... Um, and just kind of like approach it like that. And, you know, some things we did, um, we weren't allowed to do. And I was like, well, we can't do that. And it's like, yeah, why can't we do that? You know, and then that was kind of weird to me. And then um, one of the things we wanted to do was um, um, the three stripes on the on the shoe. And it, there was regulation on that. And um, in manufacturing, they had manufactured them with the three stripes on there, which wasn't approved, but it came out that way. And it was like, oh, okay, good. That's perfect because it wouldn't have been, I don't think it, I, I think that it made the shoe. And then right. now on the, um, all the basketball shoes, they're, they're having the three stripes like that. So, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> uh, even, even with the, um, the logo, the, having it just on its own was um have regulations around that and understandably i think you know because legal wise they have their their regulations that they have to adhere to but now that the 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 three bar logo is on its own for the brand across the brand and that was you know we had to kind of fight to achieve that to achieve it work with it in a certain way you know as a graphic and you know so you like the, the minimalist feel of that or yeah 
Yeah, I like that. So, I mean, it's kind of like a like a Nike swoosh. It's just on its own, you know, yeah. or um, anything like that. You know, yeah, Reebok with the little lines. Yeah. 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 What do you got coming up? Any any other collaborations in the works at the minute? Um, I have a few. What do we got? What? Nothing. Like your wife. Like nothing. We can expose. There's a couple things in the works. Just uh, don't really want to disclose them too so, early. Yeah. Yeah. But you'll find out in due time. What about like focus product wise? What are you guys focusing on moving forward? Um, just doing what we do and doing it better. Yeah. Um, like we got products that sell well. So it's like, how do we make those better? And how can we expand upon those? Um, and then I've got more product lines that I want to introduce as well, like knitwear um, and some leather stuff. And um, I got more ideas on footwear and uh, denim. You know, we, want to, we did a denim line and now we stopped doing it a while back, but I kind of have developed a new denim line. So I'm just kind of waiting for the right time to produce and bring that in. So, yeah. Where would you love the brand to be in a year's time from now? Um, definitely just in a better place than where we are now and just with the more ability to to um, achieve our purpose. And yeah, I think as you as you grow bigger, it gives you more opportunity to, to do what you love and do it more. And um, I was kind of, uh, I watched this guy speaking on a, know one of those inspirational things on um on instagram um and he said there's um you know with money like like money's not evil and there's good people and there's bad people and i think if you give money to a bad person they have and they'll they'll do bad things with it but if you give money to good people they'll do more good things with it and i think um, in the sense of my designs, you know, as we grow bigger and we have more ability to do more things, more resources, I'll I'll be able to do more things with it, you know, in terms of more creation, all that kind of stuff. And that's just my analogy on that. Yeah. No. <laughs> Shout out to the guy on uh, shouting out inspirational quotes. <laughs> Shark Tank. Yeah, Shark Tank. I'll one of those. I was like, that made so much sense to me because I'm like, you know, some people look at rich people as being you know this or like yeah yeah some people might see him as evil i'm i'm usually like not i'm inspired by certain you know people that have done well yeah so yeah what would you tell that you know young brand or 18 year old kid looking to make the jump overseas to start a brand i would say to do it and you know just have to give it a go and i think it's i think the the best thing about doing that is you don't have anything to fall back on. And that's probably the worst thing about it too. Because mm. it's like, um, I mean, I was lucky in a sense that, you know, I met my wife and she's just been such a, a supportive partner and and backbone of the business. Um, but like you don't have, you know, you have your family to fall back on. It's just, you know, it's a lot easier. You're at home and all this kind of stuff. And when you don't have that, you have to make it, or you don't have a choice. So I remember my sister used to come visit me in the early days when I moved over there and she just was felt so sorry for me and just was like, I didn't know if you were going to make it, if, you know, if Jenny was going to like, you know, 
you know um yeah i didn't even have money for gas and that kind of stuff and uh sure yeah <laughs> 12 years in the game I can imagine like a lease on Melrose wouldn't be cheap it's not yeah, yeah. Um, that was it's it's definitely yeah it's definitely not cheap to have a store on Melrose but we started having a store we started smaller you know we started in downtown in an area that wasn't that busy and we used it as our office and we had a store and um, then we got a smaller store on Melrose because that store, cl- that that building closed down and whatnot. And um, and then we just expanded that and yeah, and now we're moving to the Beverly Center. So it's just a progression. So yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You always think there's still a big need for bricks and mortar? Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, I think it's a great touch point for the brand. And um, I think just you can acquire a lot of customers um, from that, you know, and and those customers will go into your funnel and and become online customers. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine who um, who kind of said to me that the best customer you want is someone who's shopped on your in your online store and somebody who's shopped in your brick and mortar. That's the that's 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 the the customer you want to have. And mm-hmm. so having a store where they can do that, then they convert into an online customer. It, it's just a that's the most valuable. Um, asset you can have as a, as a company. And so I think having more stores in the right locations and I think it is important for a marketing point and also online, pushing online sales and also just um, giving you that touch point for the brand and, you know, yeah. Interested to your thoughts, Dan, on uh, on what, what you think about Warren Lotus's impact on the industry. I don't really know too much about it, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> no, I'm not to be. Yeah, no, not at all. I just thought I, I, I last full scene, like yeah, done collaborations with the NBA. I, I thought maybe it'd fallen on your uh, on your table or in your interests, but no, I, I I I do kind of stay like on my own stuff a lot. Um, I am aware of the name, and I'm aware of um, I I can see the the design they do, like that kind of Grim Reaper type style, right? Yeah, yeah. um, I think it's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of like people doing some cool stuff out of LA and stuff like that. Is, is that a uh, conscious decision for you to stay like clear on your path and not really taking other inspirations? Do you think does that like affect your processes or? No, nah, I just kind of um, I don't. I just look at it like I got a lot to focus on on my end, and you know, just yeah, I don't need to. If I start worrying about what everyone else is doing, then. I'll I'll get down on myself, you know, and yeah. and um, I don't really need to. I just need to kind of focus on what I'm doing and do it better. And um, yeah, that's all. Yeah. That's the fact. Yeah. Yeah, that's really refreshing. That, that yeah. a lot of people today, you know, with social media and all this information out there, that's really all they do is look for inspiration yeah. at others and compare themselves. But that's kind of the the common narrative I've found in your stories. You know, for you to just get up by yourself and go to LA and yeah. make it happen and not worry about anyone else or and uh and that's you know, it seems to have created a really strong narrative um within Daniel Patrick, you know, and kept you around for twelve years. So Yeah. And I think for me, if I see someone doing well, like I used to be I guess I, I guess instead of looking at it as a 
I, I looking at it as like, wow, this person's doing better than me. I'm like, wow, this is possible, you know? Mm. You know, it's like that person can make it that far. I can do that too. And this kind of, yeah, like in that success standpoint, there's a lot of people doing a lot of things that are successful. And it's like, you don't have to look at those things as like that they're taken away from you because it's like everyone can win. It's just there's enough. There's enough out there for everyone, you know. It's like if you have a playlist on your on your iPad on your iPad, I mean on your phone, you know, you're not gonna um you're not gonna be like, oh yeah, I don't have any room for any new artists. Right. You want new artists, you know, so there's always and you you don't stop listening to the old artists you listen you add you add to it, you know. So um I think that can be the same with any like fashion and yeah, yeah. any medium. Yeah, I agree. I agree. No, I mean it's it's as Jack said, I like to Double down on that. It's very refreshing to yeah. how clear you are on your path and what you're doing. And I think it's only a matter of time do you open up a store here in Sydney. Yeah. I mean, I've looked at it. I've had meetings about it. I just, I don't really feel like it was the right time to pull the trigger just um, just yet. But definitely, you know, look how beautiful this place yeah. is. <laughs> Incredible, man. Yeah. So, um, and Melbourne's, Melbourne's cool too. So, yeah. Yeah, we can't throw Melbourne under the bus just like that. <laughs> yeah. we're from. I mean, Melbourne doesn't have this beauty, but they have a lot of other things going for it. Yeah. Like it's Culture. pretty, yeah. <laughs> Culture, the sports, the yeah. coffee, yeah. food, you know. Yeah. All the seas. Yeah, they got a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, Dan, um, yeah, I mean, it's a good place to wrap up. I think you, again, you've, you've paved the way for a lot of Australian brands and I'm sure there's, Lots of people out there that are taking inspiration from what you've done and yeah. leaf out of your book. So we uh we thank you for for being bold and uh, making that leap all these years ago. And uh, appreciate you having me here. Yeah, it's it's been great to have you on. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate it.